from Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. We're interviewing successful sales and marketing leaders and discussing ways in which they're building lifelong relationships with their customers. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond. Today, I have Bill from Dragon Boat. Bill, it's really nice to have you on. Hey, Brad, it's great to be here. I'm excited. Absolutely. I'm really excited too. So as we're getting into things, maybe just tell me a bit about yourself your role and what you guys are doing at Dragon Boat. Yeah, I'm the head of sales at Dragon Boat. I was originally hired actually to run the and build the partner program from scratch. We sort of uh, merged those two groups together. And so now I'm running sales as a dedicated focus, I should say, for multiple channels, whatever those are. And Dragon Boat, we help product companies escape the build trap and become more outcome focused. That's what our software helps them do. So that's what we're trying to do. Help CPOs, chief product officers, and product operations teams change the way they run their product organizations. That's awesome. So tell me about like some of those challenges that you know your customers are facing, and then we'll dive into you know how do you communicate how you're addressing those challenges and all that. Well, I think at a high level, you might say the biggest challenge for product teams is escaping the build trap. Mm. And Melissa Perry wrote that book. And when you're shipping product and building product and responding to customer requests and all of that, it's easy, very easy to get caught up in the next feature you need to adjust or fix or build, the bugs you have to fix, right? Responding to the moment because of the urgency. And so that's the biggest challenge. It really is. And how do you guys help fix that challenge? Well, the buzzword is to help customers become more outcome focused. But um, how we do that is our methodology called responsive product portfolio management. And that's the framework our founder, Becky Flint, created four or five years ago. And even before that, working as a program manager and product leader in companies. The idea is to plan your work with a focus on the outcomes, the goals, the top priorities of the business in the first place, not Mm. just responding to the feedback by itself or the urgent things that are happening by itself. And then what you have to do once you plan with the outcome in mind or the metrics, whatever they are, You also have to monitor and report progress on the outcomes and the work progress together, right? You can't just report on the, oh, we were halfway through the work that we planned because then you lose sight of the goals we're after or the metrics we're monitoring, which are somewhere else over here in some other system. So we bring those together and really you're reporting on, reporting is not the right word, but you're you're tracking and monitoring based on the goals you're after and the work that's been planned against those goals at the same time. Absolutely. Let's talk about sales now. So you guys really have built up this really strong pipeline of leads and an engine there to connect with people that are buyers in this space. How have you done that? I know you mentioned you have like your own podcast. For those that are listening now, you got professional microphone, all that stuff. LinkedIn's really well built out, lots of content, but just walk me through how you guys have really built this engine of finding opportunity. If I were to go back to the founding of the company, it was really content-led. 
right? And then we layered on top of that community. And so I got to say, when I'm looking at our inbound lead flow and the reasons and the referrals and or, you know the source, I don't know if it's the exact number, but it is 80% content related or from the community. We have a Slack community for product operations and it's all that. I mean, it's un- and then referrals, of course, but I can't tell. How many- I heard Becky on a podcast, right? We heard that all the time in our CRM. It's unbelievable. So really it's content and partially it's because of content, because of this responsive PPM framework that our software is designed to help people implement, right? So you have to teach people, teach the market, the framework for working. You know, you can't just launch software. It's kind of like if you might say Salesforce taught people a new way of running sales through that, through the workflow of lead, contact, opportunity, customer, blah, 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 right? You had to teach people how to do that framework before you could really sell the software. And so that's what we've done. I love that. Yeah, that I think content is so powerful when it comes to generating opportunity. Yeah. How does that end up going? You guys like publish a lot of podcasts and then do people respond to ads and then they're like, hey, I listen to your podcast. What's the general funnel that you see people come down and how do you connect content to revenue? Oh, yeah. So we try like heck to attribute you know, the leads we're coming into the content pieces with varying levels of success, you might say. But the content is, it turns out we did an audit recently. It's mostly top of the funnel content, right? So mm. what we try to do is attract people to, ah, there's this new way to run a product organization, for example. Or there's a new way for product, op- there's this new thing called product operations, right? Well, how should a product operations function be built, let's say? Or how should a CPO chief product officer, become a better chief product officer. That attracts people in. And then when they come to us, we try to attribute that content. And so what we've also seen in our is our in our audit is there's a gap in the levels of content, top of the funnel, bottom of the funnel, all that stuff. Mm. You know, and now we're focusing more on middle to lower funnel content, which is to say, let's connect, let's say we do a blog post or a webinar on how a CPO can be a better CPO. Right. So one one idea might be a chief product officer is a CXO and is now an executive first and a product functional leader second. And there's a mm-hmm. transition that everyone has to make when you get to the C-suite, which is the executive team is my first job. Product is my second job, let's say. So it's one thing to write the blog post or do the webinar or interview a CPO about that. It's the next thing to say, okay, how do you actually do it? Okay. So then there's the how to do it functionally. Then there's the how to do it in the software. So we're spending a lot more time trying to lead people down this path of, ah, I need to be a better CPO. Ah, how do I do that? Ah, how do I do that in a tool? Ah, how do Mm. I pick Dragon Boat to do that? Right. And so that's one journey we're taking to, to layer our content in such a way that people can find those things. Um, Maybe not so much linearly, although we like to think this leads to that, then that leads to the other thing, but people find things the way they find things. I love that. Yeah, we're in the content creation space. And one of the things we talk about a lot is content-driven revenue. So it's oh, yeah, uh, I see. not everybody, I think, is aware of even this concept of content to revenue. And I think as you guys are doing, it, that awareness piece and education is so important. Well, that's interesting you say that because 
what you are describing is, let's say, what we would describe to our customers in product. You might say a lot of your clients like just make content to be discovered and don't necessarily say it's going to lead to revenue, maybe. So similar in product teams, we're going to build this feature. And <laughs> let me take a step back. In a previous in previous jobs I've had as a general manager running a software business, I can't tell you how many times there are all these product roadmap items, right? That were just things to build. And when you ask people, how is this going to drive the revenue number? They'll say, I have no idea. There's no plan to make any money on this. So we're spending 18 months and 3 million bucks on this feature build out with no plan to monetize it or sell it. You're thinking, how did that happen? So why are we making all this content? Like in your business, like, why do you make all this content? For what purpose? Oh, to get clicks or to be number four on the Google search or be the first Hard result to. on the, whatever. I don't know. Right. We, we got some money burning a hole in our pocket for PR or something. You know, it's like, yeah. yeah, we've seen all sorts of different reasons and ideas. And sometimes it's just a pet project and all that stuff. Yeah. And when you and I talk about it now, we say, duh, of course, the work you do should lead to, okay, the revenue. And even the people who aren't doing it would say that. And yet it's so easy to get caught up in, yeah, but we've already planned this out. If someone asks, is this going to lead to the outcome we're after? I'm not sure, but since we've already planned it, we better finish it. You just get caught up in the gravity of the tractor beam of the Death Star of just work and activity, which is the build trap in product organizations. And so we try to help people escape that. And we try to help people, our product team's realize that it's happening, right? By exposing the information they need in the software to say, ah, this work is happening, but the result isn't happening in the data. So now we have a problem, but you might say on this other screen, oh, results are happening and we haven't finished all the work. So maybe we should take some resources out of this and into that. That's the responsive part of our framework. It's like, we're responding to the data, like we're way over plan on our work over here, but we're under planning on the results. We plan the wrong work. We have to rethink it. We have to blah, blah, blah. And so that's what we try to do. Yeah. I love that. So obviously content is a huge umbrella of anything from a podcast to webinar to blog article, et cetera. What are you guys, are you doing all of it? Or are you doing some of it? Are you prioritizing some formats over others? Uh, how are you approaching that? Yeah, we prioritize webinars and blog posts. Mm. And and there's other things we do, but I would say that, that's the core of what we do well. Like, for example, right now, we're, we've been running this CPO webinar series since June 2022, practically every week through the summer. And then into the fall, we've slowed down the cadence. But they are interviews with chief product officers, right? And so if that's the core, now we can write things based on that. You can imagine all the, this is, you know, this better than I do. Like you can repurpose that into blog posts and quotes and, and social media posts and clips. And you no, know, we don't do all of that, but we do some of that. And the webinar is the core, but that really drives what's on the blog right? Because then people can discover the blog and all the content is there. And we have the, we try to put the categories on the blog so that people can go in and find it and say, ah, I need chief product officer stuff. I need OKR stuff. I need roadmapping stuff, right? You can think of all the product management categories that are on there. But 
to recap, it's like we focus on webinars and the blog. That's what we're good at. Okay, nice. If we think of like a promotion and traffic source standpoint, is that just all SEO and organic and social or are you guys putting paid spend behind certain pieces of content to have landing pages and all that stuff? Yeah, organic. Organic. Almost entirely. And we have we've experimented with paid. That's a serious specialty. You know, all the A B testing and the A B Z, A B C D E F G testing and all that to make sure yeah. you know what you're getting for. So we haven't really mastered that art, but you also might argue we don't need to because we have this constant flow of people just finding it. Google is amazing. <laughs> people search for things, right? Yeah. I think it's really interesting to find a head of sales that's an evangelist of content. I feel like sometimes that's handed off to the marketing team. Yeah. And then the yeah. sales team, they're like, content, like that's going to help us in a few months. But today I need to close my quarter and make some calls. How did you get on this content train and, you know, become an evangelist? Of it? Oh, I, I haven't thought of myself as an evangelist like that, like you say, but I totally am. If we don't have something that we can send a prospect that's helpful to them, we're doing something wrong. I go, to the marketing team, please write a blog post on this, right? And how did I do that? I would say eight or nine years ago in a job I had, I was in a services role implementing projects for customers to, to do software. I started writing blog posts and I was not on the marketing team. I don't, didn't want to do marketing. I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> Just like a oh, marketing team. But I just started writing blog posts, like how to do things, how to do this, how to do that. And that moved me into a marketing kind of a role in my head or in my work and as a side project and all that. And once I saw how people would read a blog post and call in and say, I saw your blog post on this, not necessarily mine, but anyone that we had in our company, I saw the blog post on this. And so can you show me how to do that in the software to overly simplify it? I just thought, whoa. And then I read a book. You might know this person's name, Sheridan. It's the book is called They Ask You Answer. Mm. You heard this book? And I've so, heard it, yeah. yeah, this is a book about he owned a a hot tub spa company in Virginia during the 2008 crisis, and they were basically about to go out of business. And they started writing blog posts, and every question anyone ever had about how to install a spa in their house, they had the blog post on it, and they sold. 2 million bucks worth of stuff that year, wow. which is a record. And they wrote a book about it, blah, blah, blah. I'm thinking, oh, you just answer people's questions and put it on a blog. So I'm thinking as a sales person, we answer questions all the time. So if we can also have that on the website, people come to us and we blah, blah, blah. It leads people to come to us because we have answers and we provide answers and we provide helpful selling, not just how do I close you by Friday? I think I just became a convert. It's like, how do you sell anything without some kind of content? Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Lately, we've been making like 60 second videos to answer questions and uh, all that stuff. And then, you know, sales team can send those out and all that. And it's going oh pretty good. Gosh. Video is like a whole new level, right? It's like you have to have editing. Your audio has to be good. It's like got to comb your hair. <laughs> I mean, you could do screen sharing and it's on software, yeah. right? But video is next I level. Think- 
I think before the pandemic, it was a big deal. Like, like have a full camera crew go out to your office and oh, the lighting true. just right and all this. But we found that everybody is used to Zoom now and comb your hair over and have a good background. But it's much more accessible now that everybody has a camera right in front of them. That's such a good point. I used to remember five, six years ago, sending camera crews to customers to get capture the testimonial and showing up. And it's an all day thing to get your two minute clip. And just in the last two years, we started doing the Zoom customer testimonials in a previous job, right? It's like, oh, the world has totally changed. It's so much easier now. Send a link. And there's some editing involved and there's some scripting and there's all the usual. And then, you know, the approvals you have to get afterwards to publish the blah, blah, blah. But man, I totally agree with you. There's nothing wrong with this could have been a testimonial. Like you're my customer and I'm going to, and we're doing it right now. Let's say. Absolutely. Oh, totally yeah. And I think it helps. TikTok has made content that maybe isn't as polished and less professional, more authentic. Uh, yeah. And, you know, even a lot of B2C brands are moving to this type of content. So all the stars have aligned, I feel like recently for this. Okay. Well, maybe I better wise up on this video thing. <laughs> I'm <laughs> yeah. falling behind. Absolutely. So as we think about the next quarter, we're headed into a new year. What are top priorities? What are things you guys are doubling down on? What are things that maybe you're moving away from? What's the priority for you? For us, it's the handover between sales and customer success. Mm. Really dialing that in because there's nothing worse than us selling something. And of course, we sell Dragon Boat. It has 82 features, not eight. You know, it's all okay. We sell Dragon Boat. Then the customer shows up at the kickoff call. And then they start saying things that they want. And the customer success team says, what are you talking about? We don't even do that. That's the extreme of something didn't connect. And so the overlap of that, what we sell, what we deliver, how we do it needs to be so aligned that customer success should be finishing our sentences. And the customer shouldn't even notice a difference between what I do in sales and what the customer success manager does when they pick up the the engagement. And so that's a huge focus for us. And part of that is even pulling, let me say it this way. I'm sort of telling our team that I want us to fill out the success plan in the sales process, Mm. which is something usually what a customer success team does, starting with the kickoff call after they become a customer, then we build that out. And I think we should pull that all the way up, almost finish the whole thing in sales so that we just have to say, here it is, take this document. And then maybe the customer success team is part of doing that. And there's all kinds of details there. We're like, well, do you really pull people in for a customer that hasn't signed yet? And that's expensive. And so there's all kinds of details, but the, the further up into the funnel, we can pull that, the better, because that overlap really, that's such a huge priority for us. Absolutely. Very important. Well, as we're wrapping up here, any final words of advice for anyone else out there listening? Advice? Like people want to hear my advice. Look, I just think that in general, I'll just say what we, how I approach this, not giving advice. I think the more helpful we can be in selling, the better, right? Like my motto, selling doesn't help, but helping sells is sort of my personal selling philosophy, which isn't totally unique to me. I think TSIA came up with that statement. But basically it means, hey, closing the deal isn't the priority. Helping that customer 
do something or learn something or will lead to the sale, right? Mm. So that's what our approach is, especially when we're trying to help people change the way they work and they're unsure and they go, well, is this really going to work? I don't know. I'm putting my neck on the lines. Imagine the customer buying any software. It's like they're sticking their neck out there. They have to get their boss to approve it. They have to get procurement. They have to get the CFO to buy it. Like all this stuff has to happen. So it better work or I look like I have egg on my face. And so the more helpful we can be and the more we can reduce the fear or the uncertainty or the doubt, all that stuff, the better, the more helpful one can be in selling, the better. Absolutely. Bill, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Thanks so much for joining today. My pleasure, Brad. Thanks for having me. Absolutely.